All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm talking to you from New York City. This is the eighth day of June 2021. Before I talk more about today's show, I do like to remind you I'm the author of a newsletter called uh, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And you can sign up for that by going to miningstocks.com. We also like to pitch Chen Lin's work as well. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? You go to chenpicks.com. And Michael Oliver, who's with us today, we like to also tell you to go to olivermsa.com to sign up for his great work. And we do want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. And we also like to encourage you to send along whatever thoughts you have about this show, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we hope they're not indifferent, but send along whatever your thoughts are. We'd like to hear from you. We do want to thank our sponsors uh, for making this show available this week. Novo Resources, Sitka Gold Corp., Eloro Resources, Irving Resources, Hannon Metals, Firefox Gold, Lion One Metals, and SK Mining Corp. I've titled today's show, Will Basel Three Regulation Lead to Honest Gold Price Discovery? Alistair McLeod, Michael Oliver, and Dr. Quentin Henning return as guests this week. Powerful bullion banks based in Europe, Canada, and the U.S. have many times over the years smashed down the price of gold when it has climbed its way to key levels. For example, this morning when gold rose above 1900 at about 840 in New York time, there was a massive smackdown. In a matter of minutes, took it down from 1902 to 1891 in the cash markets. Then when gold started to climb back up, there was another $10 takedown lasted about 10 or 15 minutes. Essentially, what these bullion banks have been doing when the price of gold starts to run meaningfully higher is hit the market with essentially fake sales of gold to scare bulls away from buying the long side of the markets. The presence, uh, their presence, the presence of these big banks is so large that they can dramatically manipulate the psychology of investors in the short term and most importantly, retain confidence in the dollar. Uh, if gold starts to really run and get out of control, obviously there's doubts that are created about the dollar. Well, all of this, according to Alistair McLeod, uh, may be coming to an end thanks to, uh, thanks to Basel III, this regulation from the Bank for International Settlement that is being imposed now on major uh, bullion banks. It has to do with, the, uh, with what is allowed to be considered assets and what isn't in terms of the reserve requirements of these institutions it was uh, Basel was uh, Basel one two and three was created after the banking crisis of 2008 uh, and Alistair will be with us during the second half of today's show to help us understand the mechanics 
of Basel III and the new regulations. And, uh, well, there's some thoughts. Alistair is certainly one of them. There's other people out there that think that it could be uh, dramatically bullish for gold. But uh, we shall see. We'll explore those ideas with Alistair in the second half of today's show. Uh, after our first commercial break, Quentin Henning will be joining me. He's going to give us some uh, update on some good news that Novo put out today. Uh, Novo reported some very nice, encouraging results about production. Uh, there still be more news coming out in terms of cost and all that, but some very good improvements that were registered in the month of May uh, that, uh, that Quentin Henning will be with us to talk about that and also uh, the future plans exploration plans throughout this year of Novo Resources uh, in Australia. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me again to give us uh, his latest thoughts on the markets uh, and what that might mean um, to all of us listening to him. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. Always good to have you um, every other week. Sure, we'd be good to have you every week, but uh, hey, listen, we're not paying you a lot of money to come on, so... We do hope some people out there will listen to what you have to say and sign up for your service, though. Uh, and I say that uh, just simply because I think it's, 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 a, it's a service that I can't do without, frankly. It helps to calm my nerves and keep me thinking straight uh, when I might let my emotions take over. So very grateful to have you with us. Again, now, equities, we're looking a little weak today to start of uh, the day, and I, I guess they're coming back now. U.S. Treasuries are stronger, but I know... One of the things that you've been talking about recently is you, you've believed that we would see a rally. I think you talked about this the last time we had you on. You've been predicting a rally in treasuries. You know, everybody is saying they're going to go, the treasury market is, is finished and we're going to see, you know, higher rates and it's going to get away from the Fed and all that. But you've been really quite convinced that we're going to see a rally in the treasury market. Um, talk to us about that relationship between stocks and, and bonds at this stage. Well, the... <clears throat> Stocks and bonds are alternatives. So the, the, the large asset class, uh, asset managers, uh, when they get nervous about stocks, where do they go? Well, over the last few years, they've gone into gold and T-bonds, or long-term government debt. Why? Because they perceive it as safe and alternative. And uh, so if you go back to August highs last year in gold, you can also find a high weekly close in T-bond futures. Mm-hmm. And the decline in T-bonds followed through March and a decline in gold followed through March. Meanwhile, the S&P went up all during that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, now, since about March, April, the S&P has sort of stalled up here mm-hmm. and stuck. No, it's not dropping, but it's, it's definitely stalled. Uh, the Dow made a high, hasn't taken it out again yet. Uh, NASDAQ 100, same story. They've stalled. T-bonds bottom, made a low in March and have now turned up sufficiently for our work to say, okay, they're in, a, in an intermediate uptrend. Mm-hmm. And we think that uptrend could get rather noisy and strong, but we don't think it's a sustainable rally. We don't think there's a sustainable drop in rates, long rates. We think it is a function primarily of nervous, justifiably nervous investors mm-hmm. and especially large asset managers who are looking at mm-hmm. the stock market. They're seeing the monetary inflation they see a vertical stock market for a dozen years. Mm-hmm. They know what helped cause it, largely uh, central bank actions, mm-hmm. monetary policies. And they look at commodities, and they look at gold, and they, you know, they say, I've I got to get out of this. They've got to lighten up their stock position. No, mm-hmm. they don't rush it. They don't liquidate their stock positions. They can't. They're in competition with other asset managers. They have to maintain a position. But they can shift parts of it. 
and they go into T-bonds and they go into gold when they get nervous. <clears throat> and I think that's what's going on now. Gold has come up massively off of its March low. And T-bonds, somewhat lagged to gold, have come up off their March low now in a way that is demonstrable. Now, what does it mean for stocks? <clears throat> I think it means... Uh, Forgetting our analysis of stocks themselves, which we think is a pending top, mm -hmm. uh, that these two markets, the alternatives, the rise in the alternatives again, says to us that there is an asset class preference shift again underway where money is moving into the safer categories, mm -hmm. which means there's doubt about the stock market. Now, when we measure the stock market, we, we know that the leadership is in the NASDAQ 100, which is front-end loaded with about five stocks. They constitute mm -hmm. about 50% of its weighting, and those symbols are, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, and so forth. And so the, the overall stock market has been heavily, narrowly weighted by the performance of those stocks, which last summer went vertical. But that move has run out of gas, and you can see it, uh, it's evident on our spread work when we measure the leadership versus, let's say, the S&P 500, we see a downturn in the performance of the leadership. While the S&P has continued up, they haven't. And that's, that's evidence, I think, that the leadership is now wandering, mm -hmm. is probably broken. Now, we're monitoring the NASDAQ 100 and three of the big symbols, Microsoft, Amazon, and Apple. And we're also monitoring the S&P. Our assessment is this. We're probably in a topping pattern. Some of these may have seen their highs already. The S&P might not have, but we don't think there's much more to go if there's any more, another percent or so. And we think that by early next quarter, it will become fairly evident that the market's headed back down again. And again, and a lot of gold people will say, oh my goodness, that means the gold market's going to get hit. No. Mm -hmm. Uh, the gold market got whacked and the gold miners, everything got whacked last March because we had a, a collapse. We had a crash, 35% uh -huh. drop in three weeks. It's like 1929, 1987. We do not expect a stock market crash. We think if we're going to enter a bear market in stocks, we're going to enter it in a layered arm wrestling manner, much like go back and look at the 2000 top, look at the way it topped and went down. Go back mm -hmm. and look at the 2007 top, the way it went down, they didn't crash. They went down in a way that deceived people, yet mm -hmm. it went down. Uh, <clears throat> and so if there is no panic in the stock market, we don't think there will be, this is not going to disturb the uptrend in gold and gold miners. So that issue, I think, is off the table. We're not, mm -hmm. that correlation that people seem to want to make between, you know, March of last year and going forward is, is not a good correlation. But anyway, I think if I were in the gold market right now, I think my prime focus would be on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100. Because if they top, one issue is going to not be debated anymore. And that's very popular to debate it. Will the Fed taper? Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the stock market has not been a negative for them since mm -hmm. you know, last summer, clearly. It's been straight up. So they've not had to deal with that psychological issue of, you know, consumer sentiment, lack of spending, et cetera. But if that stock market starts to wobble and you get 10 or 20 percent off the high, even if it's not fearful, but it's obvious, uh, then you're going to have a negative psychological effect on the spending sentiment of the public uh, a sense of job security, et cetera. So the Fed in no way 
in that kind of environment is going to taper. And so mm-hmm. that issue is going to go by the way, and that will help yeah. gold. You would think so, uh, and they hope it helps the stock market, but uh, at some point in time, uh, something's got to give here, I would think. I mean, how high is high? And and then yeah, what is yeah. that going to do also to confidence in the dollar um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the bond markets, quite frankly? Yeah, ultimately, we think the bond rally, which could be, we think it could be sharp and noticeable uh, and, and then basically nail the folks who've gotten prematurely short the bond market expecting higher rates. Uh, we think they're right in the long run. You're going to have higher rates and the bond market's going down. But I don't think it's going to happen now. I think there's going to be this big counter-trend rally. And I think it's going to be a function mostly of that investor class preference shift where they want to seek safety because they're doubtful of the stability of the stock market. I mean, just look at the charts. Let's say you're an asset manager and you look at an S&P 500 monthly chart going back a dozen years, and, you know, it's gone straight up with all the monetary policy and the rates and et cetera, et cetera. And you look at commodity charts, and they're coming up out of a base that's very deep, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, you say, okay, that one's risky, that one's not. Mm-hmm. So you begin to shift your assets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why the T-bond market recently has turned up. Yeah. Well, money managers have to think that way, obviously. And, uh, you yeah. know, they have to weigh those. And they're going to do that. Just one quick, uh, with 30 seconds left, what about silver? How's that looking to you now? I still think silver. Well, silver's just nestled here below the highs. You know, uh, it didn't really have a pullback like gold. In fact, mm-hmm. its worst drop in silver from the August highs last year occurred within a month of that high. Dropped mm-hmm. down under 22. Never mm-hmm. went back there again. Mm-hmm. Went down to 24 mm-hmm. one time, et cetera, et cetera. But it never went, did what gold did, which is to say it went into a layered sequential decline. Silver mm-hmm. didn't do that. It made a low four weeks after its high and spent the rest of the, the time in a range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're clustered near the upper end of that range. In fact, he made mm-hmm. new high weekly price close, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. You know, All right. The weekly price closes. So, you know, it's, it's holding well. I think it's looking yeah. good. And you still like silver over gold uh, percentage? I still like silver over gold, and I like uh, miners over gold as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, but gold's a mama, as you like to say. So we, but you got to watch gold because it's the trendsetter. But on the other hand, yeah. it's not the best place to be in the, in the category. All right, we're going to have to leave it go at that. Thank you so much again, Michael, for, for uh, you, sharing man. your time with us and your insights. Uh, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Well, folks, uh, don't go away. I'm going to be right back with Dr. Quentin Henning. He's going to give us an update on some pretty good news from Novo Resources today. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have Dr. Quentin Henning with me once again. And today he's going to talk about novel resources. In particular, I believe he's going to share with you uh, the insights, that some of which were made public uh, in the press release that was put out this morning concerning the production, uh, the, uh, the improvements that are being made on a steady basis there in the company's Beaton's Creek project that's uh, uh, larger picture there, the Nulligan Western Australia uh, project, which uh, now has Beaton's Creek as the first mine, uh, first uh, the first mining project there. But uh, I think you're going to probably see several others in the years to come. But anyway, uh, it's the good news from what I could uh, gather when I read the news release earlier today. So welcome, Quentin, and thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, I, I just I get into this news because it seemed to me you talked the, the press release, the news release talked about gold production, gold sales, mill throughput, gold recovery rates, and the cash position, which is growing in the month of June. That's a good that's a good sign. But just give us an overview of uh, what was in that news release. Certainly, look, this was an operational update for the most part. We did talk a little bit about the uh, the financial state of the company as well. We're in very very good shape. Uh, but I'll start with the operational side. Uh, everything's been in, you know, steadily ramping up during this ramp-up stage. Uh, we expect ramp-up to c- continue for about another month or so, but we expect to be at steady state here very soon. Everything's going well. We're seeing increased production uh, month to month. This uh, was a good month for us. We produced uh, a little over 5, about 5,100 ounces of gold, uh, we sold uh, uh, the lion's share of that. I think it was forty-seven or forty-eight hundred ounces, and uh, we we saw very good revenue. So uh, we're all feeling uh, very very happy about the progress. But there's still more. Okay, uh, as we mine down and mine through some of the lower grade reefs, we're getting into the M1 and the M2 uh, reefs, which are basically the the higher grade. And, and the bulk of the, the highest grade uh, mineralization across the property, uh, we're getting into those on the Grants Hill uh, part of the project right now. Grants Hill is is kind of a south central part of the project, and uh, the guys uh, have been stripping f- frantically. Uh, you know, they've been stripping, but also mining the lower grade reefs above mm-hmm. for the past few months. All right, so the grades that we saw. Uh, this past month, if you kind of use a little math there to calculate thing, th- things through, you know, we're seeing a little over uh, 1.3 grams at present, uh, mm-hmm. but that's steadily going to increase. Uh, as we see the M1 and M2 come online, uh, I think we'll see the grades go up closer to the, uh, the grades that have been you know, suggested in our PEA, for example. Okay, so I think there's a lot of... Uh, a headroom that's gonna that's gonna come. The mill has been operating very well. We've been uh, I think it was 124,000 tons processed last month. We are building up stockpiles, uh, but we're also anticipating we can increase the throughput uh, back you know up to the rate that Millennium was operating mm-hmm. a few years back. So 
say, a bit over 1.8 million tons per annum. Uh, the mill recovery has been fantastic. It's uh, getting close to 95, I think it was 94.5%, which is yes. pretty close to 95, and that's kind of what we predicted for, for the outcome. Uh, a lot of that gold, is, as you can see, comes from gravity concentrate, which is expected. Uh, I'd say the lion's share, almost well, a bit over 60% of the gold we produce is recovered through the gravity part of the circuit. It's a gravity CIL circuit, and the gravity gold is captured by the Nelson and then the Acacia unit. So we pour a bar from that circuit, but then we also pour a second bar from the uh, Aleutian circuit on the CIL side of the, the mm-hmm. system. The, mm-hmm. You know, like everything right now is is just going tickety boo. I think uh, I think we'll see uh, buildup of a stockpile, uh, which is actually part of our game plan. We want to make sure when the wet season hits, you know, say December, January, February, we want to make sure we have a stockpile at site that that will allow us to continue uh, processing during any rain events or you know. Uh, at times when there might not be uh, access to b- b- between Beaton's Creek and uh, the mill, mm-hmm. you know, so we will have a stockpile that we can use. Um, I, you know, I, at this point, I can't say anything but good things. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the team uh, is operating fantastic. Uh, you know, now bear in mind, uh, they're doing this uh, with limited grade control assays. Okay, we mm-hmm. talked about this. In a couple of news releases a while back, and we've now since found a solution to our our grade control assay um, bottleneck. Uh, we've we've contracted Intertech uh, recently. Intertech is now processing our samples frantically. Uh, they've got uh, like every day I watch, and I I'd say there's you know 15 20 batches of samples come through, which is great. It's a great relief you know to see that. See that progress made, uh, you know. But but up until this point, uh, we have been mining by sight. Wow. This is an astonishing mm-hmm. uh, result. The the guys have figured out, you know, you know how to differentiate ore from waste, and you know, yes, there is a bit of probably a bit more dilution right now because they simply want to be careful. It's it's uh, in a mine. It's always a sin to throw out ore. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> So they're they're being a you know a bit cautious and grabbing, you know basically everything that uh, you know looks like it's potentially ore, mm-hmm. uh, but you know and, and that's had you know a bit of an impact on the grades we expected. But uh, overall, I mean, my gosh, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold price is wonderful too. I mean, look, it's uh, over twenty four hundred Aussie right now in Aussie. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a great outcome. So we're very yeah. excited by that. But but but. We also have our news release last week about exploration, and we're ramping that up right now. Uh, we have um, a robust exploration. Uh, sorry to ramble, but I'll just kind of no, that's good. Plow along here. Uh, we have a robust exploration program. You can see in the news release we do have a lot of emphasis uh, on exploration around Beaton's Creek and the Nulligan Camp. Okay, we, you know we are a producer now. We recognize that our chief. Uh, goal for the next, you know, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, is to to continue to build uh, resources and reserves ultimately that go through the mill. All right, mm-hmm. so we're we're just headlong into making sure we build that pipeline. So we're exploring around Beaton's Creek. We're exploring in the Nulligan Camp. We're also starting to look at uh, some of the projects in a more regional sense that might be bolted onto this. You know, for instance, Tauga Tauga as an example. 
Uh, and then we're also doing the sorting. Now, this is uh, an interesting development here. Uh, we, we looked around and we thought, my goodness, you know, we have this sorter now. Uh, our plan is certainly still to, to do testing uh, around the carotha material. There's no question that's very important for us. But we also recognize, hmm, there's other projects that could benefit from this. All right, and then we thought, okay, let's see, how are we going to move a sorter from site to site to site and then also permit site to site to site operation of, you know, crushers and screens? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, like it's pretty complicated. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we, we thought, okay, you know, the better solution here is to use the mill site because we're already permitted for use of equipment and et cetera. So we can do a lot of this right there at Nelligan. All right, so our plan uh, is now to put the crusher uh, or sorry, the, the mechanical sorter mm-hmm. and all its accessory equipment right there at Nulligan, and then mine bulk samples from Caratha, truck them over. Uh, we can bring in samples from Edgina, from Talga, from uh, Virgin Creek and Contact Creek and other projects that we, we know have similar coarse gold, uh, you know, potentially mechanically sortable material, all right? So, so this is, uh, you know, we're basically laying out a strategy here that I think is going to be very solid, deliver results, not in, just in per, terms of production, but also our future growth uh, for mm-hmm. the company. We're very yeah. excited. Yeah. So as I understand it, then, what you'll do is uh, you'll do your bulk sampling from Caratha and from Edgina and other places, uh, haul, haul the bulk sample, the bulk sample down to the mill. And then, and then you'll get an idea. You'll start to build a resource in those different locations, I suppose. At the same time, at the yeah. same time, taking whatever gold you get out of there and and putting it into the mill, and producing yeah. from that on a small this, scale, albeit to start more, with. more or less. Yeah. Look, uh, what we're going to do, for example, at Caratha would be to to test pit multiple areas, in effect, do very very large bulk samples, but truck the material over to Nulligan. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if it's resourceable, we'll we'll see. We still that question has not yet to be answered, but we mm-hmm. do think that we can demonstrate the viability of Karatha uh, through mechanical sorting, and that's one of our main objectives. It'll continue to be so for for the next uh, year or so as we as we really want to grow production. Okay, we we want to see that work because then we can start. We can actually put an operation there, and then. Uh, mechanically sort and upgrade material that can be trucked over to to Nulligan. Mm-hmm. That uh, an easy win for us. Right, right, and that of course will give you time to permit and do all those things uh, for for a sorter uh, on site at Caratha. Did you mention Edgina too? Are you looking at Edgina as a possibility? Uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, there's some interesting developments here at Edgina. Uh, look, the, the gravel is still obviously a very high priority for us, but we're also now recognizing uh, what we call Sinukatoid intrusives on our property. Uh, you know, you the, gray, yeah. the gray resources, I guess they're called. They, um, they've been exploring at Hemi now. They've had, I think the discovery was, uh, what, early, I can't remember, 2019 sometime. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. Uh, anyway, they've, uh, they've had very, very good success. I think they're due to put out a resource in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but we, we started picking apart the geology of that area and what we identified was a trend of these intrusives that extends uh, west-southwest from the degrade ground onto our tenements in the north part of the Edgen area. Uh, we started seeing evidence of these in some magnetic data that we acquired. 
Uh-huh. So we are actually now uh, planning a strategy around exploring those as well. We're going to do detailed magnetic work in the next month or two. We're going to uh, start, you know, based on that, we'll be able to refine our, our targets. So Sanuka toys are just basically, uh, you know, it, it immediately tied to the gold mineralization. So once we identify those, we can come back in and sharpshoot them and and, uh, and do some work like rab drilling or even RC wow. drilling. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, something that hadn't, that's a new development essentially and uh, not one that, so I guess in, in summing up here, um, there's several areas that you just outlined that we should look for near-term improvements. Uh, maybe next month you'll have another uh, another report in, in, at the end of June. But uh, in, in I mean, uh, increasing the throughput, uh, improving the I think maybe most importantly what you talked about the idea that what we've seen so far has been by sight and not by assays because you're just now getting that assay process assaying before you mine. Um, that should also improve I would think the. Uh, the efficiency of your mining or the optimization of your millhead grades, I would think, right? Yes, that will have a, a positive impact. And and so you have a, a number of things in the in the short term with your current production, but also all these other longer term things. I mean, most exciting thing I think is the idea that you could actually haul high grade, put, uh, hypothetically at least potentially high grade material from from Caratha maybe from Edge and other places, and, and pump it into that mill and probably have higher higher millhead grades going through there and then really starting to ramp up. I wonder, there had been some talk about and some speculation that maybe you could, you know, see 100,000 ounces or so a year of production out of, uh, out, of, um, out of Beaton's Creek. Do you think that's still a possibility? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that, yeah, that is our target, absolutely. Look at our... Uh, PEA and so forth. You'll see what what our goal is. Yep. Great. Okay. All right. Anything else? Just keep watching, uh, right? Yeah. Look, keep watching. But uh, you know, I mean, the other thing I could bring up is yeah. is uh, our position in uh, in equities. Look, you know, given yeah. our position in Newfound and our other other equities we have. I think we have well north of uh, two hundred million in equities at this time, and uh, you know. People know my view of that project. I think it's got nothing but uh, a lot of upside. Uh, you know, we're in a wonderful position. You know, no, nothing at Novo, uh, like Novo is set for growth. It's set for this gold cycle. It is hitting this just perfectly. And it's, it's, it's such a wonder to see, you know, this production coming online, but also the benefits we're seeing from uh, the shares that we've, uh, we've managed to acquire. Yeah, indeed. I, I, I should mention your, in your press release today, you talked about, uh, I think it was uh, 50, 50 couple million, 50, 50, no, 45.2 million, excluding $204 million worth of equities. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's very nice. And I know you've been at this for a long time, Quentin, so it must feel really good to start seeing some positive things take place here. So, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, for being with us and sharing this story with us again. It's certainly one of my favorites. I'm sure our listeners can tell that. Uh, so we'll look to keep up with you in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jay. All righty. Well, folks, we do have to go to break now, but Alistair McLeod will be with me when we come back. He's going to talk about Basel III and the potential impact on the price of gold uh, from the from that regulatory action from the international uh, from the BIS, the Bank for International Settlement. So we'll be right back after the break with Alistair McLeod. Don't go away.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back, Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and really pleased to have Alistair McLeod with us once again. Um, and I would uh, strongly suggest that those of you who are really interested in gold and the, the major markets that uh, all influence and make a difference in our lives, that you might want to go to the research page at Gold Money every Thursday, where Alistair uh, presents a, a very thought-provoking and always a very meaty discussion. In fact, as I think it was last week, uh, my realtor here in the small town where we live uh, said he picked up Alistair's missive and he says, doggone it, that thing is, that, that thing requires some, some effort and some energy to, to read through it because it is not, it isn't light. You know, it isn't, it isn't Twitter. Well, Alec, actually, Alistair does do a lot of things on Twitter. Uh, he does tweet things out that are to let people know what he's thinking. Uh, but his misses, his essays are very, uh, are very meaty and very, I think, very well done and uh, give you reason. He, he's not just giving you headlines is what I'm trying to say. So thanks for being with us again, Alistair. That's my pleasure, Jay. It's always good to have you with us. And the topic we want to talk to you about, because you've written so much about it, talked about it in the last month or so, is Basel III. And the question we're asking is, will Basel III regulation lead to honest gold price discovery? And, uh, you know, I, I think I remarked to you a few minutes ago that if we have honest gold price discovery in that market, that would be the only market we do have uh, honest price discovery, it seems. And certainly we don't get it in the uh, currency markets. We don't get it in the bond markets. We don't get it hardly any place. But anyway, uh, I digress. Let's, let's get into Basel III. Regulation. It's it's well. It's the third iteration. I think there was a Basel one, Basel two, Basel three, and I believe it was created. Uh, I think it was cr- a creature of the Bank for International Settlement, perhaps, and that it was created after the two thousand eight financial crisis. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely right. Um, basically, uh, the G twenty um, sort of met after after this um, after the Lehman failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, wanted to ensure as much as possible that um, the sort of the domino effect of one bank failing and you know triggering a failure in another bank and so on. 
um, was addressed. And uh, that's really what Basel III is all about. Um, and it, it attempts to address this by um, forcing the banks to uh, ensure that uh, long-term commitments um, on the liability side of their balance sheet um, uh, matches the long-term commitments on the asset side of the balance sheet. So that there isn't, um, if you like, a a mismatch in terms mm -hmm. of short-term funding, which can run out of the door at any one moment, leaving mm -hmm. um, you know the bank with a problem because it can't cover its assets, as it were. Mm -hmm. So um, that's really what it was all about. And uh, the way they've uh, tackled this is they've introduced a new thing, which is called the net stable funding ratio. Now, this is a ratio of two separate things. You've got available stable funding. Now, that is applied on the liability side of the balance sheet mm -hmm. uh, so that um, uh, the, the various classifications of uh, liability are um, uh, uh, ranked in terms of their usability to fund the other side of the balance sheet. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for example, um, uh, tier one equity, mm -hmm. um, you can use all that. You know, that's there's no sort of haircut or anything on that at all. That's... That's there. That's never going to change. So that's brilliant. Um, they take things like um, uh, small deposits. Now, they assume that small deposits are relatively stable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, according to the Bank of International Settlements, gone are the days of people queuing around the box to block to take their money out of the bank. <laughs> that mm -hmm. doesn't happen. And in any event, we're talking about um, uh, deposits which are guaranteed one way or the other by government or the banking system, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, so the, there's a payout, if you like, of $125,000 or whatever the figure yeah. is. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that is regarded as relatively stable. So you can use 90% of that mm -hmm. um, to fund the other side of your balance sheet. Now, um, derivatives are something else. You can't use a derivative, a net derivative position on your um, uh, liability side to finance anything on the asset side of your balance uh -huh, sheet. Uh -huh. Okay. Now, not only that, but um, in the uh, Bank of International Settlements regulations, which have basically been adopted by everyone, they actually mentioned gold. Now, what they mean by this is unallocated gold. Now, unallocated gold is just a derivative. It just so happens that it's an account in dollars, for example, if it's a dollar-based bank, um, but the liability is tied to the gold price. Uh -huh. it's, you know, the gold doesn't exist. Unallocated gold does not exist. Uh-huh. And if you think it does, then please tell me where they're storing it, because <laughs> it's not there. Okay, so um, where does this rank? The answer is you cannot use any of that. No gold, no silver, no copper, no oil, um, any of these commodities. You cannot use these to fund the other side of your balance sheet. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's the, the available stable funding. It's on your uh, liability side of your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. The other side of the balance, balance sheet produces uh, another figure, and that's the required stable funding. So if you have got actual cash um, on the balance sheet, like um, it's an asset and it's sitting in a vault, all banks, all retail banks have cash in the vaults. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. That requires no funding at all from the other side. Uh -huh. So that's, you know, 100% bank, no problem at all. You work down through various qualities of asset. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically, um, if it's an asset which you can't get, get rid of very, very quickly, 
then um, there is a factor involved from your available stable funding on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this then becomes the required stable funding. Mm -hmm. in, the case of, in the case of gold, um, you need to back that 85% with available stable funding. Okay, so this basically starts choos chewing up the, your available stable funding, not 100%, 85%. So this is not good news. But basically what it means is that if, um, and it depends how these regulations are interpreted by local regulators, if you like, national regulators. But basically when it comes to derivatives, assuming that a derivative is um, specifically offsets another derivative so that you've got a balanced position across your balance sheet, then, um, you know, they cancel out because you've got no net position because they're interested in the net position. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, you do have net positions, and you can have net positions on both sides of the balance sheet at the same time because they can be different sorts of derivatives, mm -hmm. uh, then um, uh, you've, got, you've got a funding problem because, um, you know, you, you're chewing up um, balance sheet capacity mm -hmm. uh, by running a position. Mm -hmm. So uh, market making, if you like, or running short positions and all the rest of it basically is pretty undesirable as far as the Treasury Department of your bank is concerned. So, mm -hmm. so, it's, an, so, so it's an economic issue uh, that it won't be profitable for the banks to go into the markets and, and sell gold in the futures markets? Exactly that. Exactly that. It's 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 both uh, the unregulated over the counter markets and also futures markets. Now, it was this that got the LBMA absolute screaming blue murder um, to our local regulator, who's the Prudential Regulatory uh, Authority. I mean, what a mouthful. <laughs> anyway, that's what they call themselves. Um, and effectively, what they said is that, um, you know, it's it, this will close us down. Mm -hmm. And 85% RSF, which is the required stable funding, they don't mention the other side of it. Um, <laughs> they say it undermines clearing and settlement. It drains liquidity, dramatically increases uh, financing costs. And then they chuck in, it curtails central bank operations. Now, um, when does this apply? Well, the... Um, uh, the EU, the Eurozone uh, and the EU banking system, which has also got a few national currencies in it, um, are applying this from the end of this month. Uh, so we've only got three weeks before those banks actually have this new um, method of calculating um, uh, the relationship between, uh, you know, the funding liabilities and uh, the assets. Um, <laughs> As far as the UK is concerned, this is to be introduced on the uh, 1st of January 2022, so at the end of this year. Now, in practice, what happens is that banks will plan ahead of the event so that they will be positioned uh, mm -hmm. so that they are ready for it. And yeah. what that means is that in the second half of this year, uh, members of the uh, London Bullion Market Association, of which there are 43 banks, uh, will start looking at positioning themselves so that they no longer have a net exposure into the gold market or indeed other derivatives. This also covers oil, incidentally. You know, any oh. bank financing, you know, oil, silver, copper, you know, you name it. Um, uh, any commodity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so you know, this is this is a big deal, and it's 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 across 
a huge, great range of everything. I mean, everything the bank does is affected by this. So this isn't just a question of saying, well, you know, um, they're out to get the gold gold market or the silver market. No, it's the complete thing. Now, the other thing that's interesting about this is that uh, the notice was actually put out by America's Office of Controller of the Comptroller of the Currency twenty uh-huh. fourth of February, saying that they're going to be adopting the net stable funding ratio oh, oh. Um, as of July the first. Mm-hmm. So wow. America's going to be doing this as well. Oh. Now, what what does this mean? It basically means that um, if you look at uh, at the futures market, the COMEX market, which is only one tenth roughly the ninth or a tenth of the total yeah. uh, paper gold uh, market um, if we look at if we look at that futures market um, you have got uh, on the non-spec side um, who provide if you like the feedstock for the speculators mm-hmm. you have obviously producers and um, you know here are the mines and the you know the people the, the refiners and all the rest of it mm-hmm. on one side now they are the non-specs Mm-hmm. They tend to be net short, mm-hmm. but the vast bulk of the um, uh, non-specs is the swap category. Now, mostly, not entirely, but mostly, those are the trading desks of bullion banks. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically, what you know, they're going to be uh, effectively closing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, so at the moment, the relationship is that twenty-five percent of the speculative positions on COMEX are provided by the producer category and the other 75 are produced by the swaps category. So if we take the swaps out, you can see what's going to happen to the market. It's going to become relatively illiquid. Illiquid, yeah. Yeah, that's the futures market. As far as the... But but Alistair, it will become then actually more of an actual commodity market and not a fantasy gold market or whatever that it is now. Yes, that's correct. And where this 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 particularly um, uh, matters is in London, because if you look at Loco London and Loco Zurich and all the rest of it, um, you know th- that is that's ten times the size of Comex. Um, but in London, what what the bullion banks do, the bullion bank members of the LBMA do, is they offer unallocated accounts to their customers. Now, um, allocated gold, incidentally, is not involved with this at all. Allocated mm-hmm. gold is always custodial gold. Okay, mm-hmm. that doesn't appear on the bank's balance sheet at right. all. Mm-hmm. But when we, we, you know, when we're talking about unallocated gold, basically what happens is that the bullion bank, when it's running an, an account for customers, has unallocated gold liabilities into the customers. Now, if you take as a rough guide that their exposure to their customers is probably about five times the daily settlement that you mm-hmm. see in London, which is mm-hmm. around about th- uh, 30 million ounces a day in very round terms. That gives you an idea of the scale of what is going to be wound down on the customers. Because wow. these banks will no longer be offering um, unallocated accounts to their customers. So what they will, they, what they will do I mean, they don't have the gold to pay them out. They will just say, right, okay, the value of this account in gold terms mm-hmm. is X dollars. Mm-hmm. We will give you X dollars and close the account. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are going to be quite a few people who 
think they have got exposure to the gold price who suddenly find that they no longer have exposure to the gold price. Now, some of them will just say, well, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Tough, we'll go and look at something else. But in this environment, which is increasingly inflationary, I think that um, a larger and larger portion of the people who will be shut out by the closure of their unallocated accounts will seek to replace them with custodial gold. Mm -hmm. The the real thing. Yeah, the real thing. So the question is, where does this come from? And I don't know the answer to that because (laughs) there isn't there is no liquidity, really, no meaningful liquidity around at the moment. Yeah. Um, So that's the, the nub of it. Now, I think that. Um, that is of secondary importance to something else. And that is, and we've discussed this on your show, the rate of um, monetary inflation over the last year has accelerated beyond anything anyone dreamt of. The governments have just gone absolutely crazy about printing money to finance COVID, finance whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, your president, um, God bless him, is, uh, you know, he's just gone MMT mad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't see any way I can describe it. Yeah. Ours is not much better. Um, yeah. They're playing lip service to a degree. Well, you know, we'll get it all sorted out. We'll try yeah, and raise yeah. taxes and so on. But, you know, the fact is that they've printed an awful lot of money. Now, the effect of that, we're already seeing it feeding through into prices. Why? Because as people uh, emerge from lockdown, there isn't the production to satisfy their demand. And bizarrely, we're even finding that people have got used to not working and don't really want to go back to work. And particularly since um, uh, the uh, unemployment benefits have become relatively generous. Mm -hmm. So the effect of this is that Prices are not only rising, but they're going to rise considerably further. And if you take into account re- the real uh, prices, as shown by John Williams of Shadow Stats, who I think you've had on your show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he's now talking about, I mean, his, his computations show that the rate of price inflation is running at something like 11 to 12 percent. And, um, you know, so what does that do to interest rates? I mean, interest rates have got to go to that sort of relationship. I I was going to say level. I mean, Uh (laughs) it should be a bit above that level. But so there's going to be a moment of discovery in markets that the whole um, pricing mechanism in markets, and we're talking financial markets, is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, interest rates have got to rise. There will be a reluctance to raise them by the Fed. And guess what? I mean, we've again, we've talked about the John Law lookalike bubble. Yes. Um, you know, the dollar will then uh, be printed even faster in order to try and stop a collapse in stock markets. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the, what happens? I mean, the current fiat currencies end up being destroyed. Now, it's against that environment that we see this change in the Basel regulations coming through. Mm-hmm. So this is a double whammy. Potentially, it really is. Um, and uh, I mean, when they first started talking about this, I mean, this this paper went out for consultation a long time ago. It went out yeah. in the spring of 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, it was finally approved in October 2014. And here we are seven uh, years later, um, just introducing it. Now, if they'd done it in 2014, arguably, 
there wouldn't have been too much of a problem. I mean, gold was still in a bear market. It wasn't until uh, December 2015 that the market turned. Um, and they could have introduced it uh, without um, a, a, an enormous drama. But to introduce this at this stage um, is, is, is really going to um, uh, produce unintended consequences in the gold market. Uh, of that, I feel fairly sure. Yeah, and uh, there's so much more, of course, to talk to you about, have you explain here, but uh, geopolitics enters into the equation as well, and, you, and you, uh, your last uh, article, The Geopolitics of Gold, touched on it as well. One of the things I noticed, I think there's something like 63 countries that are members of the, battle, of the Bank for International Settlement, and absent from those countries, a lot of African countries, I think, are not part of it, but neither is Russia or China. Mm-hmm. Do I have that right? Um, I can't. I can't confirm that because I haven't actually looked. looked yeah, or at, looked at, at it. At but I mean, so yeah. Russia and China have been building up a huge, uh, especially China, mm-hmm. by your by your uh, recol- by your work. Um, you know, your soothing that China has really built up a tremendous amount of gold. Talk to us a little bit about that, and and talk to us about how that might fit into this whole this whole equation. With about three minutes left. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I won't go into the basis of my computation other than just to say that um, I came to the conclusion that by 2002, China had secretly acquired something between uh, 20,000 and 25,000 tons of gold. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I don't really expect the yuan to be backed by gold. I don't think that is part of the current plan. But um, given what I've just said about the dollar, if the dollar does um, have a sort of a fiat style collapse because of that John Law relationship Mm -hmm. whereby the Fed is just printing money in order to support the market and will have to accelerate the printing to to stop it collapsing, then you can see that uh, China's uh, real gold position then uh, it becomes of of tremendous uh, geopolitical importance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think uh, I'm sure that the the, the, the American um, uh, government, um, the security services actually know the true position there. We don't know America's true position, but we've had enough indication that there's quite a lot of gold which should be there, which isn't there. I mean, for example, uh, the Germans um, uh, tried to get their gold back. Um, they've only got part of it back. I mean, they got back what they agreed to get back. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and also the Netherlands uh, have removed their gold. I mean, there is, if you like, an international concern that America doesn't have the gold that she should have, whereas it plainly China has. Now, this is going to change the balance of power hugely. Mm-hmm. If there anything like a collapse of the purchasing power of fiat currencies. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing about it. I would um, suggest your uh, listeners actually go to that article um, to look at the detail in it, because um, I think it is actually a very, very important topic. Indeed it is. The geopolitics of gold you're referring to, right? The last yes. one you wrote? Yeah, absolutely. It's a must read if you're really serious about this uh, uh, about this issue, and I think if you're not now, you soon will be, I think, ultimately. And I have to think, Alistair, that what's going on now, if this really works out as you're suggesting, it's going to cause a lot of people to think a lot differently about the markets they've taken for granted for so many years. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it could be a day of reckoning not far away, perhaps. There's others that are suggesting maybe, uh, maybe the BIS will find a way to excuse the major banks, but um, we uh, 30 seconds left. I guess we don't have time to go into that. But you, again, if people read your work, 
you'll uh, they'll get your thinking on some of these issues that we just simply don't have time uh, to get into on this show. Alistair, thank Go ahead. Yeah, this, very quickly, I, I would yeah. discount completely any idea that people are going to back off from this Basel III thing for the gold uh, market. Yeah, and they're doing this really because they're concerned about look, global liquidity and the uh, sort of domino effect you talked about from Lehman. Yeah, so it's it's really not to nail gold. It's really because they're scared. They're scared to death of what might happen in a in a chain reaction uh, implosion like we had in 2008, I think. So. Exactly. exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Alistair, uh, for being with pleasure. us, and we'll look to do it again sometime in the near future. Well, folks, next week, I'm not sure exactly who my major guest will be, but Dr. Quentin Henning will be here as well. Uh, he will be here, I should say, and uh, we will have someone else. Uh, I just don't know who that's going to be, so keep an eye on your inbox uh, to find out who we'll have on the show next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 